Well, good morning. Um, I was reminded this morning it's easy to uh, kind of get distracted by challenges. And uh, one of my students uh, was from Rwanda. And he was telling me, uh, he brought me pictures of his church and was describing for me how he would walk to church and all the miles that he had to get there. And uh, they would get to the church and there was a, a dirt floor in the church and they would just sit on wooden benches and they would have a service and it would be about three hours long. And then they would all eat together and they would sit there for... Uh, another couple of hours for another service because they would make it a whole day because it was such a challenge just trying to get there. And, uh, and I, you know, what's interesting is how often uh, when, when, are, when there are challenges, and for us it's, you know, there's just a little bit of traffic on the freeway and we start thinking, you know, it's hard to go to church. I have to get up early and I have to deal with traffic and things like that. And uh, I'm always reminded of that student and that there are Christians all over the world that for them to get to church and to be there, how challenging that is. And that it's not just difficult, that it could be life threatening. And uh, we just have a little bit of wind today. So, uh, but I'll, I'll, if you do need to move, some of you are in the shade this week and need to be in the sun. Last week it was the opposite. So if you need to move around, feel free to do that. Uh, I'm so grateful uh, that we can be here this week heading into Thanksgiving. And uh, so I kind of debated it fit right in as we're talking about the attitude that is like Jesus, right? That if we're going to be of the same mind, of the same attitude, to be like Jesus then we have to be people that are uh, servants and that we do it in the right attitude. So our attitude and our mindset, if it's like Jesus, what does that look like? In Philippians 2, I, I read this last week, I'll read it again, starting in verse 5. Paul writes, make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, who... Existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be used for his own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had come as a man he, in his external form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there it is. In verse 7, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, a slave. And depending on the, the translation you read, it will use one of those two words. And I was thinking about it, well, well, which is it? Because there is a definite distinction between those words. 
I think Paul purposefully chooses the Greek word doulos here. It is a, a strong word. It's a word that rightly produces strong feelings and brings to mind great injustices that have been perpetrated on human beings created in the likeness of God. Yet Paul specifically uses that word and it's rightly translated as slave. Jesus set the example well, what about us, right? How do we view that? If we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, this is what Paul wrote. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. What Jesus did for us on the cross is he redeemed us from the brink. In our fallen, broken, sin state, we had no hope. Yet on the cross, Jesus paid the penalty, the punishment that was rightly ours. He paid so that we could be saved because we are not our own, we have been bought with a price. What we do matters. And how we do it matters. Right? Our attitude, not just that we do it and we go through the motions, but, but what we actually do matters. When my uh, oldest daughter was little, year old or so, there was a lady in our church who would watch her one day every two weeks. She wouldn't let us pay her anything. She just did it because she wanted to serve us and, and care for us. And so we found out that, that she and her husband hadn't been to Disneyland since they were little kids. We thought, well, here's something we could do for them, right? So we, we took them to Disneyland for the day. So the four of us, adults, right, we went, no kids, to Disneyland and we paid for it. We, we got the tickets, we were buying the meals. We were just trying to have a good time. And, and, and the whole time, could you imagine getting a free ticket and a day at Disneyland and like complaining about it the whole time that you could go, you know what? The train was too slow or, or the rides were too fast or, or of course it's just too crowded, right? In the midst of this, this fun event they could have had a really negative attitude. But how ungrateful would that be? Uh, by the way, they weren't, right? They were very grateful. We had a blast. Uh, we stayed till the park closed, the fireworks, everything, and we had a good time, right? Because they got something for free. You don't complain about maybe the negative things that happen. You're like, this is great. We didn't even pay for this. This is so much fun. You have been given something for free in Christ. And so your attitude matters. It's not just that you're going through the motions. Well, you've been given something for free in Christ. So what do we do, right? How do we serve in a way that shows the gratitude that we have? Well, the first part is this. 
We don't serve by observing, but by doing righteousness in the name of Jesus. Right? What we do matters. We can't just observe it. We can't just watch. We have to participate. When the church gathers, like this morning, it's often called a worship service. Why is it called a worship service? Have you wondered? Right? What is it that we're serving? What are we supposed to do? How do we serve in the midst of this? Right? It, it even seems to be fairly observant instead of service-oriented. And let's just be honest, we often think that, that that's what this is supposed to be. That somehow during this time, we're the ones being served. Yet, if it's truly worship, what we're doing is we're worshiping God and we're serving Him. I wanted to look at the first century church when they gathered. Right? What does a worship service look like? This is in Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is a description of a worship service. Well, let, let's see how we're doing. First of all, the apostles' teaching. That's, that's God's word. Often what the scripture we base so much of our teaching on is the apostles' teaching. They had them in person. We got what they wrote. Okay, we're doing all right there. Then to fellowship. Now, fellowship isn't just we happen to be in the same room or being together. There's a... a life-to-life -life, uh, involvement with each other, right? There's a, a, I know what's going on in your life. I know how to be praying for you. That's what fellowship ends up looking like. The breaking of bread, yeah, y'all ought to be eating together too. But it's not just that, right? It's later today when, when, when uh, the church is sharing the Lord's Supper. To prayer, absolutely. And then, uh, verse 45, by, by the way, this is a description of what they did. It's not a prescription of how you ought to sell everything. Um, it actually has more to do with the meeting of their needs, right? They, they sold what they needed to in order to meet the needs of others. It was about service. And so when the church gathered, it was very much about meeting needs, not just observing something. If we're to be of the same mind as Jesus, we then must serve with gratitude. Jesus came to save us. 
In Mark 9.35, he sat down, called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must first be a servant of all. Right? That as children of God, we serve. So then our grateful service, what does that look like? Well, first of all, we put our gifts that the Lord has given us to use to serve the church. Right? That we are gifted uniquely by God. Every believer is. And it's for a purpose. The gifting you have is for a purpose. And it's to serve one another and to build up the church. Uh, Peter wrote this. This is in 1 Peter 4.10 and 11. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so believers have been gifted by God through the Holy Spirit with gifts. And we're to use those gifts to put them into practice in order to build up the church. So believers learn what their gifts are, right? As you mature in faith, you learn what your gifts are. They're confirmed by the church, and then you put them into practice. Uh, when I was a, a fairly new Christian, I remember being at a, a, a community group, basically, and we did what's called a spiritual gifts inventory. You basically just answer a bunch of questions, and you kind of record the scores, and you look at it, and you're like, Okay, so according to my own opinion anyway, and how I answer these questions, these are my spiritual gifts. Well, that may not be the best way to do it, but at least it's a start, right? And so I do the inventory, and I, I get there, and I get my answers, and it, here's my top three. Let's see if that, that makes sense. So, so my top three were teaching, leading, and administration. And so we kind of went around and we shared, and I said, okay, here's my top three. And, and, and those that were there in our community group, they go, yep, we can see it. I go, okay, so I've got some confirmation from the church that, that maybe those are some things that I could do. So then my prayer was, okay, God, if these are my gifts, how do I put those into practice to serve the church? And thankfully, I had a church that was supportive and, and tried to help me find ways to serve them. And put those into practice. It, it means that I then became the bookkeeper for the church and, and uh, you know, got to teach on occasion and that kind of thing. And so thankfully, right? So what is it you're gifted at doing and how can you put those into practice? You know what happens if you don't use the gifts that God has given you in the church? It, it's kind of like a boxer stepping into the ring with one arm tied behind his back. That's what you not using your gift does to the church. You see, every believer is in the church for a reason. There, there's, there's not an accident. You're not just there. You are here because God has brought you here to be a part of the body. And if you're like, I'm just not going to use the gifting I have, kind of embarrassed about it. I'm kind of, kind of awkward. I'm kind of uncomfortable. I don't really know how to do it. If you don't use it, then you're tying the hand of the boxer and sending him into the ring. 
You see, you might say, well, that's kind of a, a strong analogy. You're talking about being a boxer. This is church. What's going on? That's because I understand what's at stake. That this is actually a spiritual battle. And every believer needs to participate. Uh, the, the second one, after using your gifts, uh, we must set aside our wants in order to serve others. This is hard, right? Because we've been trained all of our lives to be consumers. We think of ourselves as customers, right? In every other area, we're customers. Yet when it comes to the church, none of us are customers. We're not just consumers, right? We're, we're on the team. And so you have to think about it differently, the songs that we sing are great. Wasn't worship great today? Yet, we're not here to be entertained by the worship. In fact, we're to sing along. I, I, I love worship time when I hear everybody singing. You know why? Because that's what worship is supposed to be. It's not, I like the songs we sing today. It is very much about, God, we're singing to you in worship and praise one of my, my uh, friends, pastor friends, he was telling me, I don't know if this really happened or if he was exaggerating, but he said afterward, someone said, you know, I don't like the, the worship songs we did today. And he said, well, good thing we weren't worshiping you. So I don't know exactly how that discussion really went, but I kind of like the conclusion. It so wasn't about her and her like of that song. It was very much about the attitude of the people as they worship God. You see, that's the point. We're to focus on God and show our love and gratitude to him in worship and in service. In Galatians 5, 13 and 14, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is flipping the script, right? That is so not about, here's what I want, here's what I deserve. It is very much about loving and caring for others. Our freedom in Christ is for the purpose of serving God and loving others. Then the attitude while we are serving matters. There's a reason we're told that God loves a cheerful giver, right? It's not just God loves anybody who gives anything. No, he loves people that do it with the right attitude. Well, that's really serious because that's not the way people view it. Just give. It doesn't matter what you give or why you give. Just do it. No, in the church, it matters. And so we're to give. We're to serve. We're to be grateful for what God has done. And so it's only service when we do it willingly and not begrudgingly. I mentioned this last week. My attitude is a choice. And it fluctuates greatly based on how empty or full my stomach is or how much sleep I have had. But my attitude still matters. I can't use the fact that I haven't had a cup of coffee yet as an excuse for a poor attitude. And so how I interact with people, how I engage with them really does matter. Ephesians 6, 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord 
not to man. Meaning that even when I'm serving other people and I'm caring for them, I'm supposed to do it not just for them. I'm doing it as to God. And I appreciated uh, when we got here and it was windy and, and everyone kind of scrambled. To, I know you're sitting in the sun now, but to take down the easy up before they blew away and, and all of those things that are a concern. You see, that's not just service for one another. That's service for God. We're to serve one another as we're serving the Lord. And while every act of service matters, it's essential to the functioning of the church that there is no more important way to serve than to share the gospel. This is the mission of the church. You see, our job is to share the gospel. And every believer has that same responsibility. You see, we already talked about spiritual gifts, so then it would be really easy to say, well, then that's the job of the pastor. That's the job of the ministry leader. That's the job of people that are gifted in that, right? The missionaries, that's their job. Not just those gifted in evangelism and not just the extroverts. It is the job of every believer to share the gospel. That's why in Romans, Paul writing to the church, he said this, Then how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so right there, there is no way that apart from God's people doing what they've been called to do, that others will hear unless we do our job. So what do we tell them? Right, if our job is to share the gospel, what does that look like? Right? Well, keep it simple. So you don't need a degree in apologetics to tell people about Jesus. You know what you have to have? A willingness to tell people about Jesus. And then do it. Right? So it can be as simple as, how can I pray for you today? And the reason I do that is because God loves me. Often, I look for opportunities to pray with people. And, and, and very seldom have I said, can I pray for you, that someone didn't say, yes, thank you. And then if I can, I say, can I pray for you right now? And in... 30 years of being a Christian and saying that, I can think of two times when the person said, I'd really rather not do that right now. Every other time they said, that would be great. Thank you so much. You see, that's a simple thing I can do. You see, I didn't, I didn't have to convince them of anything. I didn't have to say, you know what? Let me go through the, the five spiritual laws and the Roman road, and, and, and I'm prepared to do that. Ultimately, it was being willing to pray for them and, and serving them in that way. Now, specifically, the gospel is the good news about Jesus. And it's the good news 
that God loved us so much that he sent his son to die on the cross that even though we are sinners and we have broken God's law, he has made a way that we can be forgiven because of what Jesus did. He paid the price so we wouldn't have to. I have some next steps here today for you. First of all, uh, we give next steps so that we're not just hearers, we're actually doers of the word, and we can put into practice what we've learned. My next step today is to inquire from community group leader, team leader, board member, how I can serve, how I could put the gifts that I have been given into practice. And then second, uh, look for opportunities to share the gospel. You might be surprised, but when you ask God for opportunities to, to share the gospel, he gives you opportunities to share the gospel. And so when you're looking for them is when you find them, right? When you're open, God, I want to be able to tell people about you. He brings opportunities into your life so that you can tell people about him. You have to ask the question. You have to ask God for that and then be looking for it and take the opportunity when they come. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that we have this opportunity to gather together in service. And not to be entertained, not uh, something to do Sunday morning, but that we have a role to play, a, an avenue to put the gifting that you have given us into practice. Father, I want to pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning. I pray first and foremost for an attitude of service and gratitude and Father, I pray for opportunities to use the gifts we had to serve the church, to serve you. And then, Father, most of all, that we would...